Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the foul front. All right, well today I've got uh, Travis from Grip Pack Calls on today, and we're going to be talking to you all about duck calls um, and duck calling techniques. How you doing today, Travis? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me on, Ben, and and I uh, really appreciate y'all having me on here. Oh, uh, no, an absolute, absolute honor to have you here. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about uh, Grip Pack Calls. Right on. Uh, yeah, so I grew up hunting over here in the heart of the Eastern Flyway in the Chesapeake Bay area. And, you know, I hunt all over the place with grip pack calls. Um, I'm the national brand manager of the company. Uh, do a little bit of competition calling with them and filmed hunting coordinator. I tell you, the only title I don't have with GP calls is owner. So whatever it is, as far as, you know, grunt work, you know, talking with the retail stores and helping make the calls, tune the calls, blow the calls. And, uh, but yeah, I grew up, like I said, I grew up hunting over here on the Potomac river and travel all over the country and hunt ducks, and geese, and 
whether it's, you know, in my area, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, or over in Illinois, Texas, up in Saskatchewan, Canada, I go up there every year to hunt in October. And so, yeah, just, you know, like everybody else probably listening in on this pod, a podcast, you know, started out waterfowl hunting and now ate up with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, if, what was your first duck you ever shot? <laughs> you know, this is uh, actually something that I always talk about when I'm guiding parties uh, with the outfitter over here is, uh, you know, people always say, oh, yeah, so, you know, this was my first duck or, you know, I shot a goose first, my first duck, and I'm dang proud of it, a hen bufflehead. <laughs> wow, hen bufflehead. That's impressive because uh, it's pretty hard, if, you know, to hit a – a Nolan Ryan fast pitch coming across the water. I'm telling you. And, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think there was a saying back in the day. Someone was asking about teal. How do you hit teal? And the guy goes, a long lead and a quick prayer. And uh, I always <laughs> said the buffleheads are the diver duck teal. So, yep, oh. yep, yep. You know, it's, you know, how far do I lead them? About 15 feet. And then they raise up and they're about 15 feet behind them. <laughs> so I'm like, yep, got to lead them more. <laughs> got to lead them a little bit more. That's, you know, that's funny that you talk about the, um, you know, how, how far do you lead them? And it's always funny that a lot of times the first times I, you know, take a guy out is during teal season. Um, and they have a big shock when we, when we switch over to big ducks, you know, coming in a little bit slower, um, you know, a little bit larger, you know, target presentation. And they always think it's a little bit easier. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it's all different. I mean, you know, you go from the acrobatic, agile, elusive teal to, you know, some September resident geese, you know. And right. a lot of people think geese are slow, but they're actually going a lot faster than people think. Yeah. And then yeah. you got big ducks, you know, and then divers, they're, you know, you're used to a mallard at 15 yards backpedaling in the decoys where you can just put it right on them and crush them where a diver may be 15 yards in the decoys but they're screaming through <laughs> so it's right like, right what do you mean i gotta get five feet out in front of this blue bill <laughs> you, you better know, get six or seven <laughs> yeah i know you know i think i might have a you know i've been shooting the same shotgun choke tube shell combo since i was like 12 and uh so i might have a little bit of an issue if i came out and hunted some some divers with y'all but, um, well, why don't you tell us just a little bit more about, uh, like grit pack and what y'all do and what y'all have right to on. offer. Right on. I appreciate it. So yeah, grit pack calls was started by Teddy Carr and his two sons, John Carr, his oldest and Justin Carr, his younger son. And, uh, Teddy's of course always like that godfather type right there you know oversees the operation all right um a lot of the executive decisions and stuff sure you know organizer um john carr the oldest he's like the the uh brains behind the promotion and you know the ideas and then you got justin carr which we call him juck everybody needs a juck and uh he's the brains behind the the you know designing of the calls and you know he was the guy behind the camera when we were filming our two dvds right and the video editing and uh you know the 
so those three together, it they come up with some great ideas and they've taken it real far with the company, but they also kind of butt heads a little bit. And so, you know, it'll be like, well, I've got this idea over here and what well, we were thinking about this idea over there. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny how yeah. the cars, they love to have that control over what they're doing, but you put three of them together and they all want to have that control over what they're doing. And it's all a great time. And uh, don't mind me. I love teasing a little bit. Right. Because I know they're going to listen in on this podcast that episode and they're going to hear that. And I'm going to be over there in the corner with my shitting and grin on and being like, yep. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the, I think that's the first time I've ever heard of, you know, a dad and two sons being in the same room and there being, you know, an argument or something, you know. I'm oh, sure. yeah. 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 That's <laughs> never happened before. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nice. Nice. Actually, yeah. I just, I just placed my uh, order for the Mo Kraken. Because uh, awesome. we're going to be doing a we're going to be doing a goose call episode here uh, in a week or two, correct? Oh yeah, and of course, looking forward to that. And you know, it's one of those things where you know to try and crunch together everything about duck calling and calls and techniques and skills and history and blah blah blah, and then to also cram in all of that on the goose call side. Yeah. Just, you know, it's like how we were talking, dude. I mean, it just can't be done within one episode. You know? No, you know, I don't have the money for the hosting services, and then there's not enough time that our wives or girlfriends would let us talk about that stuff. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, um, you know, it's uh, it's all good. And, and now one other thing about Grip Pack Calls. So it's kind of a little backstory to, uh, you know, the way the company got its name. And so this is back when Teddy Carr was younger man and they were always in the deer hunting. You know, it was it was deer hunting first. I mean, I'm sure that's how a lot of people get into the hunting sport, yeah. whether, you know. And so Teddy Carr and his buddies, they would run around over here in the Civil War, heart of the Civil War area in central Virginia. You know, you've got a lot of places, a lot of woods, a lot of battlefields. And Teddy Carr and his buddies would go hunting. If they wanted to go hunting, they would go hunting, whether it was left, right, north, south, east, wherever. They would go and and they'd mop up, you know. They would mop up on their deer. And so <laughs> they were sitting at a gas station and they just got done hunting in the morning, and Teddy's dad, the king of the car clan, as I like to uh, call him, he's the kind of guy that he'll look at you in the eyes through your soul and look at what's behind you, and you'll feel it the whole way. Mm. But So he comes up, and he's like, well, what are y'all grits doing? And they called him the grits because they would go out whether it was foggy, rainy, freezing, and they would get out and get it done. If you look up the definition, grit, it's like some something like against all odds, perfecting your craft. And like I could go on and on and on into it. It's actually on our website. Yeah. But it's pretty yeah. crazy. You know, it's like, you know, when nobody else can man up and get it done, if you have grit, you can get it done. 
And so he, he, you know, Teddy's like, you want to go and do a deer drive with us, Pops? And he goes, I wouldn't be caught hunting with you grits if it was the last deer on this planet. And so Justin and and uh, Teddy are sitting there trying to think up of a name. And John is overseas in one of his tours. You know, he's a veteran of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And they're coming up, bouncing ideas and whatnot. And Teddy goes, I got it. I got it. Justin goes, what do you got? He goes, grip pack calls. And Justin goes, ah, grip pack calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go GP calls. Yeah. Teddy goes, well, ah, GP calls. Yeah. And Justin goes, well, you know, you got to run it by John. Cause John is that set. Like he heads that up. Like he's, you know, the names of the calls. Juck will design the calls. John will name them. Mm. And then, you know, Teddy will head that up of making them, right? Right. And we all help each other out too, but that's like the general dynamic right there. So Teddy calls them up and he tells them, Grip Pack calls, and there's silence on the phone. John goes, ah, effing love it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just right there, boom, Grip Pack calls. And I believe that was about four years ago. Oh, you know, wow. It might, okay. you know, and so, you know, this, this it might be three years ago. We're definitely, it feels like we're on our fourth year yeah. of, uh, op- of, of operation. And so, yeah, right then and there, you know, some, uh, grip pack knowledge on you, <laughs> man. I, you know, that's, it's so, you know, it's so crazy to me that literally I think Thursday, um, I was making a cold call to an outfitter on the East coast that I had heard somebody had some success with to talk about some uh some ideas with and then next thing i know i'm talking to the to the face of the company uh, what that what you call yourself the face of the company is <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, that's uh, you know one of the titles i have that's not owner yep 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 <laughs> <laughs> well should we get down into to duck calls i could talk about duck for quite a long time so let's get to it you know i think it's important to you know I remember when I was picking out my first call and I was looking at a, a whole wall of, oh, I think I was at Gander Mountain uh, looking this stuff up. And, and I was, you know, I didn't know what was what. I said, okay, there's a mallard hen call. There's a uh, wood duck call. There's a, a blue wing teal call. Oh, gee, crap, I don't know. I guess I'm going to be hunting mallards. I guess I'll pick out that mallard hen call. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a good, you know, start to talk about, Oh, how there's actually, you know, these different, you know, species calls and then how the, the, the one true call that we only really need is, you know, we only need to, uh, the mallard call for the most part. But um, I, y'all, what do y'all make? So, yeah, so as far as duck calls go, we have three types. They're all mallard calls. Um, there is plans and operation for you know, what we're going to do with like a whistle or a teal call. Now, as far as the mallard calls, like I said, we have three of those. And then we also have our fourth call, which is a wood duck call, a little, you know, wood splitter is what we call it. It's a polycarbonate call. And uh, as far as the mallard calls go, we have acrylic calls and we have some hybrids where it's either a cocoa bala or a bird's eye maple or an edge and acrylic wooding and acrylic and we also have one of our duck calls we have some that come in acrylic and we have some that just come all out in wood whether it's bow coat 
towards edge. And uh, we mess around majority with single reads. And okay. so we have, and then we also have a couple double reads. And, you know, we have the trickster, which is like a swamp timber call. It's a single read. All right. It's got a short barrel on it. You can get real down and nasty with it. Good high end, good low end, pretty much your finesse type of call. Do all the, you know, Cajun squeals and bouncing hands. So for those guys that aren't listening, I mean, you've already talked about two things that I I think are extremely important that, um, you know, a lot of us that have been hunting for a while, we know what they mean, but they don't. Let's talk about, um, you know, the, you know, the three component or the different components of the, the duck call. And then talk about the difference between the single read and the double read. And then maybe we'll touch on, you know, whether, you know, whether or not you ought to start out with a double read or if you should, you know, try your hand at that single read when you're first starting out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. What it all starts with is when you're looking at a call. All right. And then when you pick it up, there's one end that if you blow through, it'll make noise and one end it won't. So once you get that placed right, where you hold the duck call is called the insert. All right. And the insert basically duck calls. If you think about it are a two piece design, you have the insert that goes into the piece that you put your lips on and blow through to make the sound of a quack. All right. Or at least try to, right? Right. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know so, that. So on the insert, which is the piece you are holding on to with your hand. The part of it that goes into the barrel has a soundboard or a tone board and a reed, a nylar reed lays on top, top of that. All right. And then there's a cork or rubber wedge that holds that reed in place. And then that thus is the four components of duck call you have your insert you have your reed your wedge and your barrel yeah and i think it's i think it's important to, to note that a duck call is is very similar to a musical instrument um, you can play with all the different parts of those all those four things that he just talked about and create a different sound and whatnot and then there's a lot of duck call companies out there that they turn the 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 barrels and they turn the uh the inserts but they use a similar uh, gut system, or they use just a prefabricated gut system. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. y'all don't do that. No, we're all, you know, from the mad mind of uh, the, the uh, cars. And, you know, there's been a couple calls where I've helped out with and designing and whatnot. But, you know, it's it's mainly Justin Carr that takes care of all of that, you know. And... As a team, we all bounce ideas off. I know with our newest duck called the Nitty Gritty, which we offer in a double read or a single read, um, the design of how it looks, John was very specific on how he wanted it to look with the engraving. And then as far as with how it sounded, me and Justin were, I mean, I was literally sitting right there with him and he was on the lathe and he would, you know, burn and turn and Hand it to me, and I whack, 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 ah, well, you know, and he's like, a little bit on that, yeah, you know, that right there, I tell you what, you can flip it over, 
boom, you would have something there. He'd burn and turn on it. Try it now. Ah, oh, you know, it's just almost there. He's like, well, I kind of like, you know, and just kind of bouncing. It took us about nine hours. I mean, it could have even have been more. It felt like we were in that shop forever and yeah. finally got it to where we wanted it. The funny does. mental image just cranks in my head of like someone trying to make a violin in the you know the the <laughs> shop and whatnot. And then I see you know you're talking about you know musical instruments. A duck call is literally a musical instrument. And then you got the violin guy. It's just a funny parallel there, you know. You know. Well, you know, and and I'm sure you can uh, um, agree to this. There's been times in the blind where there ain't nothing flying and it's boring. You're waiting on ducks. There's always that one guy who always pulls out a call and he always doesn't make it sound like a duck on purpose to and yes it is very much a musical instrument where you can you know get different sounds and whatnot on it and that goes a lot into how to operate the call there's different sounds you can make in on it to do your different types of multiple tone quacks occasion squeal all that stuff now i just uh you know i just was i headed back up to nebraska this weekend so i had a few hours on my hands and i listened to uh i listened to an interview with you on rutten river um pursuit (laughs) (laughs) yep they're good guys out there they they are and uh I, i tell you what i hit that subscribe button for for certain um after i listened to the episode with you and i was like it's so funny there's all these podcasts out there and there's no way you can find them all um, un, un, unless, you know, you get exposed to them in one way or the other. Um, yes, sir. But, uh, yeah, oh, I definitely hit subscribe there. Those, that's, but that's a good bunch of guys. It seems like, and I listened to the interview that they had with you and there was a lot of things on there that are not only new to me, but there were some things that I, I definitely wanted to pick your brain about, but we'll, we'll get onto that here in air in a second. But, uh, the first thing. Uh, that I wanted to talk to you about is is the the first piece of advice I got for picking out a duck call was hey you a new duck hunter yeah I am okay go get yourself a double read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time too yep. all right go yep. ahead <laughs> so here's the whole thing about it and this is the stereotype that comes with the, the double read or even the triple read you know there's a calling company out there that has a triple read all right and so whether it's single read double read triple read uh old school new school uh feeding chuckle shaker or a cut down call i always recommend go with what you like like if it's just like picking out a fish and lure if it catches your eye then you already like that more than another one, all right? You have two calls that somebody says, well, you need that one, but you like the other call more, and you get the one that didn't catch your eye. It's all confidence, and it's all like, you know, if you like something, you're going to be more comfortable with it. If you're comfortable with it, you're going to be more confident with it. If you're more confident with it, it's going to show when you operate that. Yeah, look good, feel good, play good, right? Yeah. So back to where we were at. A double read, everybody says, is easier to learn on. Now, here's the problem with that. In my opinion, they always say, you start out with a double read, and then you move on to a single read. And then once you get on that single read, you'll be good to go because single reads are hard to blow. Well, what you in turn do is you train your muscle memory and your mechanics to learn how to do it on a double read. Guess what happens when you pick up a single read? 
you got to train your muscle memory and mechanics all over again. Why wouldn't you just start out the right way? And I don't want to say the right way because I do use double reach too. And it's what I'm getting at is not so much, once again, in my opinion, easier. It's just right settings and right situations to pick up a single read on my lanyard and give a comeback call to a mallard or pick up that double read and do a nice, soft, deep, subtle feeding chuckle as they're easing on into the decoys. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, but yeah. And then you tie in grip pack calls with that. We design all of our calls, whether they're single reads or, or, or double reads to be user friendly. So a lot of people pick up our single reads and they say, man, that blows easy as a double read. Yeah, well, you know, we designed it to do that. Yeah. I was going to say, you sent, you, you sent me, a, a, what is it, like 15 videos of you just blowing a duck call. <laughs> and, yep. um, you know, I got this new baby that I just, it was just born. And, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, we'll be a good, like, you know, memento to that. And I'm going to be like, uh, I think I'm going to get us like matching, you know, duck calls. And, I you know, she's going to be picking up a duck call here in about 18 months, I, I do believe. Um <laughs> Cause I just want to hang out. I don't want to be calling in ducks. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, um, yeah, that, the first thing that, you know, the, the claim here that I keep seeing and is, you know, and you keep talking to me about it and it's like, Hey, like, this is the easiest single read to, to pick up and, you know, just blow on and be able to produce sounds. And I wanted to kind of dispel, um, you know, after having, I've blown, you know, double reads and I've blown single reads and, uh, yeah, you're right. It's a lot harder to, you know, tone yourself back down to a, a single read and get used to it if you just blow that, you know, that double read for a while. Why not, you know, make the investment and learn how to blow a call right? So. Yeah, and you know, that's the whole thing about it is 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 I always thought, well, why would you make it twice as hard on you? You know, when it's like, all right, so you learn how to do it on a double read and then now you got to learn how to do it on a single read. Anybody who picks up a single read first and learns how to do it can then pick up a double read and tear into it. Right. You know, but not vice versa, uh, not vice versa. And it always seems to be like that, you know, and so it's just one of those things where once again, the end all to that discussion is if I walk into a store, all right. And there's five duck calls right there on the wall. And one of them catches my eye. And I'm like, oh, dude, that looks cool. Man, I just really, really like it. And even color, you know, I mean, it all goes into it. If I get that one, I'm going to have more confidence in myself. And that's, I mean, I tell everybody, whether it's clients with the outfitter or just buddies, whether it's what type of choke tube should I use? Well, do your research. And I really like this Pattermaster type, or I really like this Kicks or this Carlson's or whatever. Whatever your research and tells you to like, go with that one because you're going to have more confidence in it. And you're going to, you know, like you get the gun that you like and the choke tube that you like and the bullets that, that you like. My personal example, I shoot a Benelli Super Black Eagle 2. All right. I've got a Pattermaster choke tube in it, and I shoot three and a half inch heavy metal number twos, whether it's at teal or at late season geese. I'm going to raise up 
and I'm going to have that much more confidence in smoking that bird. Yeah. Versus if I had a different brand shotgun, a different <laughs> brand choke tube, and a different brand bullet. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how I would do because I've been shooting the same gun since I was like 12. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been shooting the same ammo, number twos. Um, but, th- I mean, there there is a uh, – there's one particular hole that I, I do hunt down in Oklahoma where I put I put the, you know, the uh, sixes in or just during teal season at least because it's about a 10-yard shot when you see them drop in. But, um, yeah, I shoot number twos all season, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you yourself could say right now, like – Dude, if I handed you my gun and and said, rip into these birds, it'd be totally different in your confidence level or your comfort level or not anything to do with your skill. Right. But it's like, dude, this isn't my gun. I've been shooting my gun for <laughs> dang near all my waterfowl hunting career, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. exactly. And that goes with decoys, too. If oh. you like this brain and you're – using these brains instead then you're going to be like man i tell you what man if we had them avians out we would have been smoking birds or oh man you know i crush them over you know homemade silhouettes you know (laughs) oh yeah yeah i was my favorite my favorite thing is is like okay uh how many how many decoy companies are out there you know times that by (laughs) how many many. (laughs) times that by how many customers they have and that's how many different uh opinions you have on on you know decoys and decoy spreads and um but yeah, I mean, to get back to the calling, um, so now I, we've covered a, a good basis of, you know, the general, uh, you know, makeup of, I guess, should we cover the different materials before we head into some duck vocabulary? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So there's numerous types of, uh, you know, a lot of people, they go in and, and they'll see, uh, you know, calls in certain price ranges will, you know let them know what the call's made out of, all right? And I'm sure I'm not going to list them all no, because there's a lot of it out there. But so you've got your polycarbonate or your plastic or your mold-injected material, which is what you'll see when you go in there, and you've got calls that are packaged in that plastic with the, you know, company name on them. Bright, co- bright in the colors in the bright colors on the shelf that you can touch and pick up and say, oh, wow, well, this one, 20 to $40 price range. All right. Nothing wrong with those calls. All right. All calls are designed to sound like a bird. All right. Some are easier. Some are harder. Some are bigger. Some are smaller. All right. Now, you've also got your wooden calls which will run you in like a 40 to $80 price range or even more expensive. All right. Now <laughs> a big popular one is a uh, cocoa All right. You've got your bird's eye maple wood. All right. You got numerous amount of burls out there, cherry burl, rosewood, whatever. All right. You've got hedge is really, really popular right now. A lot of call companies are are using hedge, all right? And uh, you got bow coat, which is like a, almost as dark as a cocoa ball of nice, hard, dense, a density. A lot of people like cocoa ball because it's real, real hard, dense wood. And the more moisture that's put into it, the more seasoned it'll be. 
And so it's all, you know, what you fancy and, you know, what you like. Um, now, while we're on it, wooden calls, a lot of people say, ah, well, they're a lot quieter. It's not really a quiet thing, louder or quieter, but they are, they, they do tend to be softer in pitch, a little bit softer. You know, you can really wail into them and get them loud, but you can also, it'll help you be softer and in turn, I guess you could say quieter, which you know all about, you know, yeah. you know, being nice and quiet on a wooden call. You know, a lot of people have different. Yeah, I think a lot of new guys, uh, when I let a lot of new guys like pick up my, my call and, and blow into it, you know, and it, I don't even know what it's made out of. I don't, it's one of them old mid nineties duck commander ones, the original. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's made out of. I know that if I push my, uh, my fingernail into it nice and hard enough. It'll make a nice scratch on it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, it's broken not only by me, but probably by about three or four users before me. But um, the the guys that pick up that call, they 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 blow into it and they say, wow, man, this is – like I can't make my call sound like this. And I think – is it true yep. that with wooden calls, there is a little bit of a break-in period for sure? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there's uh, – you know – you can get it fresh out of the, you know, off of the line and the tuning table. Then it'll sound one way and then you can break it in and it'll sound completely different. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you're talking old school ults or, you know, like a Yetson sure shot. Like those, you know, are, are calls that I grew up, you know, using when I was younger. Cause those are the calls that, that were popular back in the day when my dad was, you know, our age doing it. Right. You know, a call you would get for $12.50 that are now worth $212.50 because they're valuable. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's one of the things that's that's really nice about those wooden finish calls is, you know, they kind of get into, you know, I've always heard a lot of buddies, man, man when I bought this cocoa ball call, I don't know, man, but now, man, it's my go-to. Or, you know, right. or the opposite. Man, yeah. I really like this call when I bought it, but now I won't even shake a stick at it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think they – well, I'm, I'm almost positive of it, but wooden calls definitely take a little bit more cleaning uptake and whatnot than your polycarb or your, um, you know, your ceramic and all that stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, all calls are, uh, are uh, built to be able to, you know, take the beating, you know, waterfowl hunting. We're tough on our equipment, let me tell you, you know, all facts of it, you know, and uh, even on the easy hunts, still tough on the equipment. And so it's one of those things where acrylic or plastic, if uh, you leave it in a puddle and then you don't, you know, clean, clean it up. I mean, you might get a little bit of blemish on the band, which is the metal ring where the barrel meets the insert, some calls have them. Newer addition, t- today's calls don't. But a wooden call, wood will mold. <laughs> yeah. Wood will, you know, kind of, you know, warp. And, you know, it's just one of those things where that happens. And so, yeah, yeah you do have to take extra care of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my call, like, sat in a tackle box for 12 years, and <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I think that's what maybe – I know what you're doing while you're out bass, uh, bass fishing. Oh, look, there's your duck now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, so, okay, but, so yeah. that, I think we could probably talk about materials and the the history of duck calls all day long, which might be a great episode all on its own, but Yep, yep, yep. What do you so, should we start? But, yeah, there is the acrylic and then there's you know, ivory and micarta and blah blah blah. But you have I think I right, saw you know, some metal ones earlier too, so yeah. Oh yeah. Well down in Tennessee there's the real foot lake. They would use metal reeds or like a metal soundboard. And uh, there's a call company out right now that's relatively new that's also doing that as well. And like you just said, dude, we could go on and on and on about all aspects, which we can do in future episodes. But, yeah, man, it's pretty amazing and how many different material. I mean, there's even a guy out there doing uh, deer antlers. Oh, yeah. Calls. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> as always, this episode is brought to you in part by High Prairie Sportsman a group of conservation-minded outdoorsmen and women who have a lot of great content over on YouTube. Just go search for High Prairie Sportsman over there and you'll be entertained for hours and you might even learn something. They're very close friends of the show and without them, uh, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be possible. Okay, back to the show. But, well, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if you uh, have a call near you or not or if you want to just help me out with the voice and whatnot, but... Should we talk about a little bit of duck vocabulary? Uh, maybe some of the basics that go into the, you know, the different types of. Oh, I hear him. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't figure you wouldn't have a duck call around you. I just didn't want to press you into it. But um, nah, me have a duck call around me? Nah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, should we talk about some of the basics that we we need to know um, before we head out there? And and uh, I think it's important to say that. If you're listening to this episode and it's a week from uh, the duck season, you have a lot of time in your truck uh, that you have to spend <laughs> to, to get ready to go here. Um, yep, yep, yep. If it's something where you've got a time constraint, then either go out there and pick up one of those feeding chuckle shakers or uh, – Or buy a or, jerk rig, uh, right? You know, like – it's like one of, yeah, exactly. You can be the guy on the jerk cord or the guy with the goose flag. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, um, you got a bunch of different things with the, uh, ducks. Um, not as vast as a goose vocabulary goes as a Canada goose, but you know, a lot of people think, well, a duck just quacks. Very true. But it also does a couple other things. And there's a lot of tones and pitches and I like to say patterns that, that they do when they're communicating with each other. And so um, I don't know how this is going to sound over. Um, I'll do a quick little test and you just let me know if I need to back, back up or All right, we'll get, get closer into the phone. But here's a quack. All right. That sounded now, great. That sounded great. Awesome. Awesome. So now there's like a short little like – I'm uh, I'm relaxed quack, like, which is what I was just doing. There's a dragged out quack. All right. There's little clucks. All right. So, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I thought a duck just quacks. Well, they quack differently. And, you know, there's um, raspy old sounding mallards. There's younger, high-pitched sounding mallards. There's 
a I'm having a good time, I'm nice and lazy in the marsh repetition of quacks. There's a, oh, I'm getting a little anxious and I'm right about to get up and fly quack. You know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of stuff going on where you could kind of screw yourself up because let's be honest, it's all about being as natural as possible. You're, you're not trying to sound like a duck hunter, a human using a duck call. You're was, trying to sound like a duck. I was going you know to say, I mean? yeah, there's a big difference between <laughs> all the sounds that we make out there and then, oh, that you know the the second the, I think the most popular call in the marsh is the duck hunter blowing a duck call marsh. You know, like <laughs> so I, I think that's the that's the most popular call out there. But uh, like you're saying, yeah, I mean, different for you know, we all sound a little bit different, and so do the ducks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know, and 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 even getting into it before all of that, you know, there's there's a guy who is like, all right, well. I know what I need to do, all right? And this will kind of sound a little far-fetched. First of all, you got to be where the ducks want to be, all right? If you're not, I always said, okay, and this is a, a, a Travis Stout saying right here for you, all right? I'm going to throw some knowledge. I'm going to put it down. You can pick it up and run with it. You can leave where it lays, all right? <laughs> if you're not where a duck wants to be, there is nothing you can do on God's green earth that'll make that duck want to be where you are if it doesn't want to be there. Now, vice versa. Well, explaining that, you know, you're ripping into a call and you're like, man, that duck just won't come over here. You know, or you're jerking that jerk rig or you're waving that flag or you're turning the mojo on. If the duck doesn't want to be there. Guess what? <laughs> you're up. You're up the creek without a paddle. Now, right. in addition to that, you turn the scale around. If you're where a duck wants to be, there ain't nothing you can do to get him out of there. All right? right. And I'm sure you've had it happen where you're in the decoys picking up decoys or whatnot. And a duck comes in and lands 10 feet from you. And, yeah. and, and you're like, I'm right here. It did not see me or no, no, it wanted to be there. Yeah. So it's a terribly frustrating thing to see, actually. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, this is why I'm going to go to the uh, Gander Mountain or or the uh, Bass Pro Shop and buy me a sling so I have my gun on my shoulder when I'm in the decoys picking up or doing this, and a duck comes in and lands ten feet from me. Oh yeah. So yeah. so now with with that in mind, first things first, you got to be where a duck kind of wants to be, or as a lot of people say in our community, on the X. Once you're there, then you can use these tools that we call duck calls to work and communicate with the birds, all right? And um, that right there, not a lot of people get that. You know, I've had pe uh, uh, people out there where they're just screaming on the calls, and I'm like, well, the duck didn't want it. So, you know, now you're educating birds, and, you, you know, the ducks have it easy enough with refuges and, and, and all these regulations. And, you know, we can't shoot them in the springtime on the migration back up anymore. We only get 60 days or 97 days, depending on what flyway you're on, to hunt them. You know, last thing you want to do is educate them even more. 
Right. <laughs> right. Right. So but yeah, there's there's enough public uh, public land out there for them to get educated on with you know getting shot at about fifty yards away and. Yep. Yep. And so um, now, real real quick. Uh, so you have that quack I was just telling you about. So is that the first also, thing we need to learn? Is the quack? Um, you know, it's it's there's two things that are good to start on is a quack, but I actually like to have people when I'm doing my little seminars um, at hunting shows and, and expos, or I've got somebody on FaceTime that bought a call that needs a little help or a little point in the right direction, whatever, you know, I love yeah. being a part of that teaching, you know, um, I like getting them to do the feeding chuckle first. All right. Uh-huh. Cause that'll be the easiest thing to do. You know, you just have a tick or a hit or, a, you know, all right. And then once they get that down, it'll, Like I said earlier, it's all muscle memory, muscle right. mechanics. Once you get that feeding chuckle down and it sounds like a duck, then your muscle memory is already caught up to <coughs> sounding like a duck on a quack. A lot of people will pick it up and try to do a quack first and it'll, <coughs> and they'll be like, do I sound like Very a duck? Kazooie. Like, Very kazooie. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like, Ah, well, you know, you're almost there where, you know, it takes a long time to really learn how to do it if you don't start on the right. Like, it's like I'm trying to cross a creek and I'm trying to jump to the middle stone or or rock, then hop on the first rock, then on the second rock, then on the middle rock. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's one of those things, you know, I, I guess I've been doing it wrong. So the first thing I do is, is I, hey, man, like this is your first hunt out. Here's a whistle. I teach him the Chicago and I teach him, you know, the, the teal peeps. And then um, and that's, you know, and then the next time they come around and they've got a, they've bought their own duck call. And, I you know, I tell them, OK, now just do a couple quacks here and there. Um, and then they're always asking me, hey, man, I, I can't get the, the feeding chuckle down. And, you know, they hear all the, the super sexy uh, competition feeding chuckles, you know, you know, all that stuff. The, the machine gun feeding chuckle. Yeah, yeah, the mach- yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and whereas, like, they're like, "Hey, hey, Ben, you should, you should try that machine gun feeding chuckle." And I'm like, "I, nah, you know, I'm, you know, it's not really appropriate for the setting that we're in. I'm just going to give you a couple tick, 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 tick. You know." Oh, that's very true. I mean, it's like, dude. All right, we have three and a half dozen decoys out here. And, you know, a machine gun, a chuckle, the only natural, realistic situation and scenario I've heard a machine, a machine gun chuckle by the actual ducks is if I'm sitting at a flooded corn impoundment and there's a thousand ducks and they're all doing that and it literally sounds like, I mean, that's like, and and so I'll kind of sit there and say, dude, we got two and a half dozen decoys out. Yeah. It ain't going to sound like that machine no, gun chuckle. No. I mean, it's <laughs> it's great to show your buddies that and maybe put it in through, you know, into a calling routine and, and you know, to tick your wife off. But um, it ain't. <laughs> yeah, unless, yep. unless you got it, unless you're running six dozen, you know, but. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's more, you know, and like we could probably, I'll probably get into it when, you know, we do like 
calling episode number two for ducks and like, you know, advanced calling, you know, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there's, you know, there's a lot of things they can go into that. And, you know, there has been times where I've used a machine gun, a chuckle and it's worked. And, but for the majority, it's kind of like, dude, just put the call down, you know? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, uh, that, so let's, uh, let's, I guess let's get into a, a, a few more other things, uh, a couple of the basic vocabulary, and then I want to talk yeah. about some, um, some surefire calling techniques, how we call with our, our eyes and, um, as, Absolutely. As, you, as you put it and whatnot, but let's get through Absolutely. some of the vocabulary and, um, move on. So as far as all that goes, you know, we've talked about the quack and the, you know, shorter quacks or like clucks and the, you know, longer dragged out exaggerated quacks talked about the feeding chuckles the only other thing we really need to talk about as far as picking up a duck call practicing on these methods and going out there and sounding like a duck are the cadences all right a lot of people you know you might hear on your favorite hunting show well you know i gave him a hail call or i gave him a comeback call they're all cadences all right and you know you've got your greeting calls your comebacks, your hail calls, your Cajun squeals, your bouncing hands, it's all a cadence. And by a cadence, I'm talking a set number of quacks and repetition that go from high, longer notes to shorter, crisper notes, all right? And for example, here's what that's going to sound like. those things where muscle memory proper mechanics you ain't gonna pick up and do a comeback call if you don't know how to do a quack i would say if this is your first you know if you ain't ever been duck hunting before and you're listening to this trying to figure out you know how it's gonna go down um you probably don't have much business doing a uh, a hail or a comeback call <laughs> am, I, am i wrong with that am i wrong uh, you know, and 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 it's one of those things where it's all it's it's all confidence, and this will kind of get us into the next topic you wanted to talk about, like how yeah. you were just saying calling with your eyes. So, I'll be honest with you. I'll put the heavy lanyard down for a minute. So, I've heard now real quick. I myself, people always say, "Well, how do you blow a duck call?" You know, what do you do when you're calling at ducks? I use my eyes. And then they're kind of like, well, you're, you're, you're like blowing into the call, knucklehead. I'm like, yeah, but I'm watching those birds at all times. Right. And the birds are going to tell you what to do. You're learning how to speak duck with the duck call. You got to use your eyes to learn how to understand duck through their communication back. It'll be mainly body language. But it'll also, you know, I've had a hen mallard quack back at me, and I'll quack at her, and she'll quack at me, and I'll quack at her, blah, blah, blah. However, what we were just talking about right then and there, if somebody should pick up a call and do that call, all right, I've seen world champs that sound amazing on the call mess up and not do the right thing at the right time. And I've heard people where you want to smack that call out of their hands and tell them to sit down 
and get ready to shoot. Know exactly when to hit a call, a certain call, at the right time. And sound like others would say complete garbage, but turn that group of birds around and get them feet down, guns up in the decoys. And so, you know, what I'm getting at, yeah, what I'm getting at is you don't need to be the world's greatest duck caller to kill ducks by using a duck call. You just got to start learning how to read the birds. And my best advice with that, of course, is through experience, but I don't try to think about it. I just listen to my gut. Right. You know, your head's going to lie to you. Yeah, you your know. head's going to tell you to do the hail call, do the comeback call. Oh, oh hey, yeah. Still, they're, still, they're still 80 yards out doing the, do the comeback call again. But, uh, oh, yeah. And your heart's going to lie to you too, man. Your yeah. your heart's going to say all you got to do is call her. Just, just give her a call and yeah. she'll answer. And your heart will lead you wrong too. But your gut never lies because your gut's hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so that turns into a reaction. You like my little metaphor there yeah. that mm-hmm. turns into the reaction. It's all reactions. All right. And so, you know, there's subtle little hints that a duck will do. Yeah. For example, if he's locked up floating right into the D a decoys, then whatever you're doing on the duck call, keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Don't stop. Because oh, okay. as soon as you this, stop, they're going to – That leads yeah. me to another thing that I wanted to ask you about that I was I heard when you were talking to Uncle Catfish and them on Rut River. <laughs> and, you know, so many times, so many, hey, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. They're coming in already. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right, fine. I'll shut up. And then they break off. Yep. And I'm thinking, yep, yep. Oh, man, uh, okay. <laughs> what happened? You know, if if, you know, we're sitting there having a good time. And actually, I got Uncle Catfish here with me. I'll let him say, well, brother, let me tell you, if, if <laughs> you know, you're sitting in the goose blind, I love doing that impersonation. Oh, yeah. He's a great guy. You know, that man, is the raspiest voice about- I've ever heard. I mean, <laughs> he's yelled at a lot of people in his life. I'm certain. Well, <laughs> so, so it's funny because. Um, at the hunting shows, you, you know, it'll be like one of those things where with a podcast, it's like, you know, like, will you get noticed by visual? Maybe, maybe not. But we're sitting there and me and Uncle Catfish are talking and he goes, well, Travis, I don't really know what you're talking about right here. And a guy just like turns around and he goes, you're Uncle Catfish. And he's, you know, it's just break like, his oh, well, neck after he hears him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of things where, um, if you're not doing anything and they're coming in, why would you pick up a call and start, wah, 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 wah? they're doing it on their own. Let them do it. That's, that's, or that is, that's, that is so funny you know? that you said that. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, if, if they're, if you're just sitting there you're messing around with your buddies, you know, you mess around on your Facebook and next thing you know, you got six birds on the deck, like, you know, I guess you ain't got to call. Your spread's good enough. Your hide's good enough. Like, don't worry about calling. Yeah, but. exactly. You know, now, say that same example. They're on the deck. Wings cupped up. They're, they are toting pumpkins in. All right. And then all of a sudden, they kind of not really flare, which for anybody out there 
when a duck hunter says flare, it's like, hey, that duck was coming in. And all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap, I don't want anything to do with you. And he pitches out wide, and you hear, and it's like, what happened? That's a flare. But, like, let's just say they're easing in, and then they kind of don't really finish right. Right there, I would hit them with a call, all right? And it's one of those things where your gut feeling is going to tell you, all right, hit them with a little small cadence. So, or hit him with a little feeding chuckle, duck, 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 right there at that reaction that they had. That's there screaming at you. Hey, we were just doing it right, but we stopped doing it right. Tell us that we were correct in doing it right by speaking our duck language. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, That's right. like, you know. And so, um, you know, hit him with a comeback call. Or hit them with a soft little subtle quack. Now, if they're circling around and they're going away, hence the name comeback call, more times than not, it works to get them to come back. And so that's where you would do that. But if it's something where they're kind of just pitching out a little bit and you want to get them back in tight and they're not leaving you, just hit them with a soft little feeding chuckle or a little quack and that'll keep them honest. All right. And uh, but, yeah, there's they like, you know going out there and doing it the best way to learn is to fail Mm. and that experience right there is worth its weight in gold just like how a well-trained lab is you know what i mean it's just right there with you yep um i would say okay so this this is uh my next question then um you got it all right you got little travis jr you can start it all over again um Oh God! <laughs> what do you what do you get him into? You know, what do you tell him? Hey, buy yourself a single read. Work on this. You know, hey, um, only make the kids call when you're out there. Like, you know what I mean? What mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you tell a new guy that has, hey, he's never literally this guy's never called to a duck before? Um, what, what's your advice to him um, when he's got you know maybe he's got a hundred bucks burning in his pocket? Uh, for a duck call and wants to know what do I listen to to get to get ready in the off season I've got four months left now that it's you know July or whatever you know and how do I get ready for the season so you know for people who don't have access to the outdoors is like I'm I'm over here I I grew up in a stone's throw from the Potomac River all right the the quote-unquote mighty Potomac one of the, you know, sought after waterfowl destinations that's not really, you know, like advertised. All right. I could go to the river and listen to some ducks sitting there feeding and quacking and ducks pitching into them and that old boss hen Susie just wailing back at them or geese. I could go to one of the park ponds and listen to geese. Just be as vocal as can be and hear stuff like, did a goose just make that noise? I can't believe it, you know. Now, that by far is the best way to go out there. As far as the $100 burning a hole in your pocket, I would, of course, recommend getting a duck call that catches your eye, one that you like. But even before that, if you have buddies that have calls and they can steer you in the right direction. Cool. If you don't, you go to a store and with the high end acrylic calls, you can 
asked to try them out. Even on top of that, dude, go to a hunting expo. You've got all the top-end call companies out there, like the Harrisburg Sports Show, the Great American Outdoor Show, the biggest hunting and fishing expo in the country every February out in Pennsylvania. Go over there. You've got all the top dogs. You could come there and talk to me, and I'll have you try out a 100 different duck calls and give you pointers. All that. You could buy DVDs. You could go on YouTube. YouTube is great for people who don't have like a pond next to their house that always holds birds that they can listen to. You go on YouTube and, and, and put in the search bar how to blow a duck call. And you've got it right there. You know, oh, this is how you do it. And you mimic it. Now, the bottom line to this, and I tell everybody, you've heard me say it before in this conversation. There's muscle memory and teaching the mechanics you're not going to pick up a duck call and sound like a duck immediately you're going to have to let your muscle memory catch up and learn what to do once it does it'll be like a snap of a finger and you'll be like holy crap i actually sound like half a duck (laughs) right but you know that's just the whole thing and so i guess what i'm getting at is the best thing to do is to just do it and okay, that, hey, here's another question for you that I have: left hand, right hand. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What's your preference? Nah. Because I, I, I was told initially, you know, I use my trigger finger, you know, so that way I can lift mm-hmm. my lift my gun up with the heavy portion because I shoot a pump. Um, mm-hmm. That way I can lift the gun up. But what hand should I should I be practicing with? You know. Um. You know, it's one of those things where. Uh, I'll looking back on it with, you know, me in the blind, I pretty much, you know, grab whichever calls available and, and easiest for, you know, each hand, you know, F like, you know, cause like I said, there's very, very precise moments when you need to hit a duck with a certain call mm. and it's like, ooh, 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 you know, everybody hears that noise right there in a duck blind, ooh, 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 you know, and, right. and you're reaching for a call and, you know, I may have my coffee cup thermos in my left hand and I'll pick it up with my right hand. Um, I'm right-handed. So I guess that's the natural way to do it. When I'm on a calling competition stage, I'm using both hands cause it's just, you know, that form you want. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, and this is what a lot of beginners will get messed up with is they see someone who's advanced at calling using their hands and their hands is opening up and closing opening up and closing and they think they need to start getting those spirit fingers out and start wiggling their fingers and that's going to make it sound like a quack when i'm teaching people how to pick up a duck call and sound like a duck for for the first time i say don't even think about moving your your hands just pick it up and blow into it and so you know now you play second um correct is that second so so um (laughs) my uh calling competition um, uh, career. So I did a bunch of Ducks Unlimited youth calling top, uh, competitions back in the 90s. I took a bunch of first places with Goose and Duck. Um, then I kind of dropped off of that scene and just hunted. I just wanted to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when I was in with Grip Pack Calls, 
And they're again, they're like, dude, you ever do a duck calling competition? I'm like, oh yeah, man, I appreciate that, man. That's a compliment, man. I tell you what. And they're like, no, dude, seriously, like you got to do these. Looking back on it, I wish I would have stayed with it because it's so competitive. But um, so with grip pack calls, I've placed second place three times in a row um, in the Virginia State calling competitions. And so it's like one of those things where, you know, it's like, man, three times in a row, second place. Man, who do I got to talk to to get first? But at the same time, (laughs) I want to, you know, like, you know, it's like, dude, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Like, these guys are so good at what they do. It's hard to even place on a duck calling competition. You know, when I first got back into the scene, I didn't even place. You know, it's like, man, good grief. This is unbelievable how how the game has changed. And so, but yeah, you you know, it's just one of those things where it's getting out there and doing it. And uh, yeah, so pretty cool to be second place three times in a row this past year, the year before, and the year before that. And uh, who knows? I've got a couple tricks up my sleeve this coming year to see what's going on. Is the same guy beat you all three times or was it different guys? Uh, different guys. Um, oh, man. twice so, it was, uh, twice it was the same guy. And, uh, this guy in particular, he's won them more times than you can even think. Yeah. Okay. And then okay. the other guy actually competed with that first guy and they would bounce back and forth winning it. And so basically, uh, the guy who beat me once moved down to North Carolina for a couple of years. And then when he came back, you know, he, uh, he uh, took it from me this past year. And, uh, you know, it's like, I could understand if it's like, all right, you lost by 25, 40 points. All right. I got some work I got to do, man. When you lose by just a, co- a couple points, it's like, man, I had your back up against the ropes, dude. <laughs> Right, right. That's something that, yeah. You know, and so it's just one of those things where it's a great, a great time out there. You know, I'll mess around with the goose calling competitions. Uh, that's a whole different beast. Um, you know, and it's you know the vast vocabulary of a goose. All right, versus a duck call taking it to the limit. You know, it's like right. that right there is what they're looking for in a duck calling competition is taking that call to the limit without having any mishaps. Mm. And so, you know, once you get perfect with that call, all right, like this past a couple years, me in first and third place and fourth place, all perfect routines, solid routines. But who was just a little bit louder? Mm. Who did a 31-note hail call instead of a 30-note hail call? You know, just those small little right. things. And I've judged comp- competitions, too. And, you know, a lot of people think, sitting in the audience, well, dang, that guy should have won. Huh? Well, man, I'll tell you what. Once you get in that judge in the judging ta- a table and you don't see it, you just use your ears, that's completely different to, you know, being in the audience and being like, man, how could he have won? You know what I mean? Right. So it's pretty wild. It's pretty I, I do want to have yeah. you know. I do want to have you know. I've won a duck call competition. Oh, my man. <laughs> yeah. There was there was two of us competing. 
at the local uh, the Ducks Unlimited chapter in um, oh where was it? It was in Oklahoma. Oh, it was and it was two kid little kids judging. It it, it was nothing to be proud. But I did win a uh, like a Pacific Calls custom Ducks Unlimited call out of it. But it, it was like the little kids were judging us, and I think I pandered to them to to win. It was it was it wasn't fair. So, dude, well, I tell you what, you know. Give yourself some uh, credit right there because that is some tough, tough stuff to be able to get up on stage and do it. And, you know, it's just one of those things where people ask me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, it's like, you know, that ain't nothing to shake shake a stick at. Well, you you know, know, I I think it's important to talk about that, too, because, um, you know, you you, you just said, hey, come over to my booth at uh, the Great American Outdoors. What is it? the ghost yeah. and uh, you know yep. say come over to my booth. I hey, I tell you what, man, I got all the confidence in the world. I I really ain't shy of nobody, but I'm gonna have a, a kind of hard time coming up to you and blowing <laughs> your duck call that you turned uh, for weeks and like really giving it a good show and be like, uh, yeah, you know, like it's one of those things. Hey, like, what do you I, think of this quack right here? Yeah, yeah, and you're gonna look at me like, oh, hey, bro, that's not how you blow that. And I'm gonna think to myself, oh, damn it, like, and then, um, <laughs> you know, no, I just, I'm, at, I'm no, just gonna I buy, I'm, do that. No. I'm just gonna buy it out of like shame. Like, of course, I'm gonna go work on this. I'll see you in like, you know, four years. Um, but <laughs> well, uh, we have it all the time, dude. With uh, you know, people who sit, I sit there and you know, walking down the aisles. And uh, whether it's one of our other pro staffers, um, <laughs> one of our pro staffers, Zane, all right, he is nuts on a goose call. I mean, you know, people will say, Travis, you're amazing on a goose call. And I'll be like, yeah, I can sound like five or six or seven different geese at the same time. Zane sounds like 25 different geese at the same time. It's unbelievable. We'll have pe- people walking by oh. and – Say, hey, you know, how's it going? What are you guys all about? And I'll say, well, try out these calls. And they'll be like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. And then they'll hear Zane on the other side of the booth helping somebody else out. And Zane's just ripping into a goose call. And they'll be like, I want that call. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, hey, it's the same call. My bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, well, are you sure you don't want to try it? Nah, nah, I'm good. But. That call sounds really good, so I want that call, <laughs> which is the so, Bebo Crack. So what you're saying is, is Zane is going to yeah. be on the next episode as well with the, with the goose calls. No. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we can definitely set that up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man, he is he is unreal as far as that goes. Uh, he knows who the king is when it comes to the duck call, but uh, no, nah, I'm joking. He sounds awesome <laughs> on a duck call too. And uh, me and him actually feed off of each other real, real well when we're out hunting because – He's got a totally different mindset and like style with his calling Mm -hmm. and I've got my own, but at the same time, like we're both reading the birds and if I do one thing, he knows, okay, Travis just hit him with a five note comeback call. That bird doesn't turn on the third or fourth note. I'm going to hit him with the seven note more right. aggressive he can, he can hit them it's good when you can play uh dueling pianos with uh yeah uh, I, I know oh, oh yeah dude we play some serious chopsticks with them duck calls dudes <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey yeah uh, you know that's a that's the next caveat is is hey have you ever shot a bird in kansas before 
Oh, dude, let me tell you, um, we've been meaning to get out with one of our pro staffers who's out there in, in Manhattan. Um, oh, Manhattan? Over there. That's where I'm oh, at. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Who's this guy? Luke. Luke Schneider. Okay, well, man. Yeah, man, he goes to Kansas State right over there. I think he's out of school now, but, yeah, man, we need to plan something where, where uh, you know, I'll bring some of the video footage up and, and bring the cameras and and uh, you know we're starting our 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 YouTube webisode series, yeah. and uh, yeah, dude, when get we, some footage. When we get uh, when we get off here, we'll have to talk about this pro staffer in Manhattan, and uh, <laughs> that's literally that's literally where I live. So um, I have to hook up, and yeah, man, I got some I got some I got some properties out here. We can definitely. Um, I know that the 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 Page Duck Club out here has. It's always well stocked and and you know beer and bourbon and good food and lots of laughs. So <laughs> you had me at hello. So. <laughs> good deal, man. Well, yeah, you know, and, and and same thing with you know if you're ever out here. I remember I was listening to one of your guys' episodes, and I think it was your buddy. I want to say Austin. He actually grew up hunting the Potomac River. He yeah, was saying. He, he did. He did. Um, Funny enough, you know, so Austin actually, he'll, he's got some work restrictions right now that, um, uh, well, he'll be on next week, actually. Uh, we already, we're about halfway through recording, uh, um, next week's episode with him. Um, gotcha. but, uh, yeah, he grew up all around the, all around the country hunting and, uh, cut his first, cut his first waterfowl teeth, um, on the Potomac river. And yeah, so it's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, I have only ever experienced the, the Southwest and then the Midwest. Um, and so I'm definitely looking to branch out and I want to get, get on some, some sea ducks, some diver ducks and, you know, hitting up the, the East coast life and seeing what everything's about. But, you know, heck, if, if I got good people around me, we don't even need to shoot a duck. We can just, you know, hang out. That's one of the things why I myself have taken uh, liking more towards waterfowl hunting than sitting in a deer stand Mm -hmm. waiting for a stupid timber goat to walk by you, you know. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll go out and hunt deer a couple times. Um, I'm absolutely ate up with turkey hunting and and upland. But duck hunting, you're sitting there shooting the shit with your buddies. All of a sudden, like we were talking about earlier, ooh, 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 watch them, watch them. Yep. Well, you think we can do it? You think we can do it? Nah, give them another pass. Give them another pass. All right, get them, get them, get them. Yeah, and I totally agree. Like, totally all agree. Day. And it's, yeah. the, it's the best sport to introduce. I've taken people deer hunting for the first time, including my wife. My wife's been both deer hunting with me and um, duck hunting with me. And uh, I think, you know, even though she shot her own deer the first time um, – yeah, I think that she absolutely enjoyed duck hunting way more um, just because she got to drink her coffee and take pictures of the sunrise, you know. But um, <laughs> we had some good bonding time. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can take a guy out for the first time and say, hey, man, I'm sorry we didn't get any ducks. Um, that sucked. But, hey, tomorrow we're going to go out again. And it wasn't that big of a, you know, you know. We're talking about hunter. Uh, this show is all about hunter recruitment and retention. Um, yep, that's what that's what we're here for. Because 
uh, it, it's pretty rough to break into waterfowl without a, a good mentor. And uh, I did that about five years ago, and um, that's the whole genesis of this this podcast. So, well, I tell you, you know, and and listening to some of your previous episodes, um, it's it's nice when you have a man a, a mentor. Like for example, I had the best mentor, Danny Duck Hunter, waterfowl hunter, could ask for. I had my dad, and he. You know, when I was the age of four years old, put a duck call and a goose call in my mouth. I went out with them, and I was the dog when we were shooting geese <laughs> right. out in Haymarket. You know, a lot of pe- people have that, you know, shared uh, attribute. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I started out being a dog, all right? And right. all the way up to, you know, where I was seven, eight years old shooting a 20 gauge and my dad said to uh, to his buddies hey ain't nobody pay a picking up their call travis is calling and they'd be like oh man you're kidding man you're gonna flare all the birds <laughs> but and i did a lot but yeah. i also had them working right yeah. and you know iding birds and doing this and that and you know well, you didn't tell me what kind of bird it was before it got in decoy, so you're not allowed to shoot anymore. And I, you know, get all upset about that. Well, that's important. Now people are like, how the heck did you know that those were gadwalls all the way over Chowda? I'm like, well, you know, the way my dad taught me. But what I'm getting at is like how you said in previous episodes, my dad did not have my grandfather be so knowledgeable in the sport. Mm. My dad learned from reading hunting books, you know, and, uh, you know, just wanting to do it, which a lot of people in our generation now could do with YouTube or in the new generation can do with YouTube or, you know, outdoor channel or pursuit channel, you know what I mean? Just learning how to do it. And so it's just one of those things where get on into it and join this passion because it's, (laughs) there's a reason why, all these guys are 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 ate up with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not something you just like. <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm shooting right now, 110 percent success rate with um, bringing a dude out for his first duck hunt. A guy that shows interest, and then him being ah well, hey dude, I just dropped like. 300 bucks on calls and decoys and all this other stuff. Like literally the next day. And, um, it's, it's waiters and oh, gun and bag. Yeah. I ain't never got a pair. I, I've never gotten rid of a pair of waiters because every time I buy a new pair, I just patch the heck out of the old ones. Cause I know I'm bringing somebody out new and then I just end up giving it to them. And then, yeah, it's, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to a brand new pair of waiters when I go out there to Kansas with you then. Ooh, ooh. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, brand new, perhaps a brand new pair of waiters that have, uh, you know, they're about three years old, uh, <laughs> been sitting in my garage, perhaps in my attic, uh, have a couple, uh, Bro. couple burrs yeah, in yeah. the butt and, uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but for sure, for sure. But all right, man. We should probably wrap this up. That was, a, I think, that was a great introductory uh, duck calling episode. And it sounds like there's a duck calling 2.0 episode at some point in our future here. Uh, but for sure, for sure, we're going to be talking goose calls here shortly.
Um, Got it, man. Duck calls 101 today. Duck call 2.0 coming up. And then, uh, yeah, the whole goose calling thing is, is, is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And hey, I'll tell you, I'll be, you know, full disclosure here. Uh, you know, I was talking about to you my, my turkey hunting skills. Oh, yeah. My, oh, yeah. Uh, well, my, my goose calling skills, they're about the same level as my turkey calling skills. So, oh, dude, um, I can't wait. <laughs> so, I'm going to have the Mo Kraken in hand, and I think that you're just going to teach me on air. Uh, I think for the next episode, I think that'd be that'd be good. Awesome, brother. All right, man. Looking forward to it. Hey, thanks again for having me on real quick. Um, for anybody who's interested in uh, GP Calls, uh, go to www.gpcallsalloneword.com. All right. Uh, give us a like on Facebook at Grip Pack Calls and follow us on Instagram at GP underscore calls. And then if anybody's interested in, in, in uh, who this knucklehead is talking here on the phone right now, um, Travis Stauck, all one word, T-R-A-V-I-S-S-T-A-U-C-H. Follow me on Instagram and then also on Facebook. And, yeah, once again, Ben, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, looking forward to next episode and getting in on some birds with you. But Yep. Absolutely, man. All right. Let's sign it off. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. I and mean, If you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment 
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.